0: Listener Production.
1: Okay, are you recording? Howdy. Nice to have you, yes, you, tuning in to episode 56 of the Howie Games. Hope you are all having a great day wherever you're listening, a great day. Alrighty, off the top, if you could please subscribe to the show on your podcast player, you will automatically receive every new episode so you won't miss any. And don't worry, subscribing still doesn't cost a cent. And whilst you're there, if you could please write a quick review of the podcast, it'll help us to spread the word. That'd be super. Cheers. This week's guest is a wonderful example of perseverance. At the start of the last Aussie summer, he couldn't get a game for Tasmania. By the end of it, he was the Australian Test cricket captain. Think about that. It's quite extraordinary. His name is Tim Payne. Final ball, the over. Big swing away on the leg side by Payne. Oh, that's a big one. That is a six, the first of the innings. The man from Tassie goes Bang. Tim is fiercely competitive on the field and extremely warm and friendly off it. His life will no doubt change this summer. He'll go from being a cricketer that many sports fans don't know too much about to being the face of the Aussie team as it sets off in a new direction. All the positive messages received from you all at MarkHoward03 on social media about the Justin Langer episode and how so many people think he's the right man to lead the Aussie side, I think after listening to this, you'll feel, like me, that there is no better man to captain our country during this time of transition than Timothy David Payne. Enjoy. So when you search, and then you
0: find, and know just where to go, and thoughts that once used to cloud your mind, you see clearly, and now you know, mystery,
1: what is to be revealed in King Selassie, I. come on children, trod with me, we want to reach Mount Zion, I. Tim Payne, welcome to the Howie Games down here at Blundstone Arena in Hobart. How are you, mate? Very well. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on, mate. Uh, I was just saying to you, because this is uh, end of August now... Where on earth do you train at this time of year, but there's a big facility development down there here, is, so tell there me about is, it.
0: Yeah, new development. Um, we've got a – well, it's basically a tent, to be honest. Right. There's no fancy term for it, for it at the <laughs> moment. Uh, just out the back of the of the hill area here at Bellroy, we've always had the nets down there, and um, I think you know something that Griffo and our new CEO, Nick Cummins, and Drew Gin, who's one of the awesome foursome, mm. I'm sure you know, is our high-performance manager, uh, it's a bit of their brainchild. So – it's there for the next, I think, six months, um, but with a with view to making it a long-term thing, which is great for us, because um, you know, traditionally the Tasmanian teams don't get on turf until the first game of the year. So, um.
1: Well, it's late August now, and I just told you, I've just come down with my family and my kids up. Three quarters away at Mount Wellington yeah. because there's snow up there, mate. So yeah. it must be difficult when bang the season starts and you guys have been down here in the cold. Yeah, it is. It's been um, a challenge of cricket Tasmania for well
0: since our inception, I suppose. Mm. So, um, but I, I mean, I remember a real change in in the attitudes towards it when Tim Coyle took over. He wanted it to be you know, our thing that, that made us closer and, and, and we believe that we trained harder and, and did extra and, and did it when it was cold and did it when it was wet. So um, it's a thing that we now sort of wear, I suppose, as a bit of a badge of honour. And, mm. um, you know, we train in conditions down here that aren't terrific. For um, but, you know, when we get through it and, and finish a session... Um, It's just a little thing that brings our group closer
1: together each time. And, mate, I've been really looking forward to sitting down and have a chat with you. We know each other due to the fact that Ricky Ponting in the first year of the Big Bash took me down into the Hurricanes rooms. Um, But, by gee, now, mate, you're the Australian captain. What's it like? It's different, isn't it? What's it like to be the Australian captain? it's
0: weird. It is weird. I get asked that a little bit. and (laughs) um, I think the best way I can explain it is, like, even I am still... You know four or five months into it, it is it is genuinely strange to me. So I'll be driving to training sometimes, or driving on a Saturday, and um, yeah, it just sort of comes into my head. And I just I literally have sat in my car at times and sort of had a little bit of a giggle to myself and how how things have changed and um, and how strange it is. Um, you know, I was thrilled to get back into the side in the first place, and um, I don't think anyone ever dreams or has a goal of of being the Australian captain, but I certainly had a a goal and a dream of playing test cricket for australia and um yeah i was lucky enough to achieve that and then this is um i suppose a bonus or maybe some people say it's not but um, yeah i'm really <laughs> proud certainly to be the australian captain at a, at a time where um you know the leadership in the next sort of 12 to 24 months is really important
1: how, how's it changed and we'll get to how you got to this point but it's isolated down here in Hobart, which is yep, nice. It is. I love coming down here because yeah. it's so low key. So it's not like you're living in Sydney and no. the high profile Australian captain. But still, mate, it's it's a big, it's a big gig pain. It here.
0: is. It is. And but I, I don't like you said. I'm. It's so isolated down here that my, my life hasn't changed. Has it not one bit? I might have the odd person that, that stops. And speaks to me But Hobart being Hobart I, I kind of knew them anyway mm. and, and it's no different Two, three years ago Because they either know me Or they know my brother Or they know my dad um, So yeah It hasn't, hasn't changed a great deal um, And yeah And I'm lucky that I haven't had to experience stuff That Smithy or, or Ricky Or those guys went through in, in the major cities But I've certainly seen it yeah. When I've been there So during the summer Will, will be interesting But um, at the moment It's just been I suppose a little bit bigger A workload And um, more media um, a few more meetings, a few more phone calls, that type of thing. But um, in general, um, when I'm in, in Tasmania, it's it's yep. life as it
1: was. Reading about it, though, I think you're the 46th yep. test captain yep. of Australia. There's been a lot of people played for Australia. It's um, How did yeah. you view the position before you became the captain?
0: Uh, uh, yeah, well, uh, same as any cricketer. I think you always looked at the captain with... Um, yeah, they're in a very. I am now in a very prestigious position.
1: Um, Arguably, one, the most prestigious position in Australian sport. In fact, I think yeah, it probably is, mate. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Um, yeah. So look, it's it's it, it
0: can be a lot of things. It can be daunting. It can be exciting. Um, it can be very nerve wracking at times. But yeah. um, I think for me, I've just tried to, um, as best I can, just be myself. Um, and, and not to think too much about it. I mean, I've got a role in, in a cricket team um, and at the end of the day, yeah, it's the Australian cricket team and it, and it is a really important role, but um, because of that title, I, I shouldn't be acting any different or, or trying to be someone I'm not. So uh, I just remind myself of that daily and um, you know, I've been put in the position because people saw something in me. So I think it's important that I continue to, to be that way. How did it all start for you, mate? You grew up
1: down here in Tassie?
0: Yeah, I did. Um, not oh. far here from here, actually, Blunston Arena. I was probably 10 minutes down the road um, in, a, in a suburb called Lauderdale, which um, Matthew Wade also grew up in. So we were in the same backyard or street cricket competition as kids, which is oh, yeah. pretty fascinating. And With my, Wadey? Yeah, my brother still can't believe he hasn't had a phone call from Cricket Australia <laughs> to be in some way involved at the High Performance <laughs> Centre. <laughs> He reckons if he can produce two Test wheel keepers with a taped-up tennis ball, he's got something special. So, <laughs> who, who, um, who was the wiki? Um, well, we'd, we'd be on both sides. Wadey, actually, as you've seen now, well, both of us actually were pretty handy bowlers as yes. kids. So um, I think we had automatic wiki and then automatic slips. Um, in, uh, a guy called Andy Matthews, who's one of my good mates, was Wadey's cousin. So his backyard was
1: um, our MCG growing up. Before, uh, frequent listeners to this show, Pony, know that uh, my two kids often ask questions. And it's normally at the end, mate, and I think you're aware of this, but the question that has come up here um, is relevant to what you've been talking about. So you get a question right at the top from the big penguin, my six-year-old, who is just warming himself up now after climbing Mount Wellington, (laughs) because his question is relevant to you, Pony. So here we go. We have a rule. You can hit it over the fence once. Oh, it's a good rule. a six, but if you hit it over the fence twice, you will be out. Did you ever have any rules out when you played backyard cricket? This came about because yep. at age five he learnt to hook the ball. Yeah. And I was spending my entire time crossing the road. Going together. Get so he
0: wanted to know what your specific backyard was. Yeah, we always was. had any um, any side fence right. that was out. But if you could get the straight one, that was six. Right. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't was. a bad coaching tool. We, t- yes. we taught each other to play Play straight. Um, other rules we had, I think there was actually a few ferns at one sort of – they were kind of in the gully area. So if it, <laughs> if it actually stuck in the ferns, you were out. Ouchies. But if it didn't and it fell on the ground, it was just play on. So it was a bit of potluck in the gully. Um what else did we have? I think that was about it, really. I like the ferns. Was, we were pretty simple. Yeah, the ferns were good. And they actually, they caught very well, actually, the ferns. They didn't put too
1: many down. But when you, when you got that chance, you were pretty, <laughs> pretty keen to make it count. So was this, was this um, a something you did occasionally? Was it a pastime or was it an obsession? Like the, the backyard career, yeah. how much were you playing? Uh, no, it,
0: for us, it was an obsession. Was we, were, we were every day after school, without doubt. Um, and, and we had guys coming from different schools as well, so we'd, we'd have to wait for my next-door neighbour, Jared Watkins. He actually went to school in town, so we often didn't get home till about 3.30, quarter to 4, and we used to be sitting there absolutely fuming, waiting for him, and if he got off the bus, sometimes we'd make him come straight to the ground, straight to Andy's house rather than go home and have something to eat. So. Um, but, yeah, we just played religiously, cricket, footy. Um, we had a few different grounds. We had one at, at Andrew Matthews' house. We had one outside our street, the Bamber Street, Arena, which was just <laughs> a, a beautiful uh, concrete wicket, but one of those really flat, uh, quiet roads. Uh, taped up balls? Tape, always taped up balls. Um, and Andy Matthews' house was actually a grass pitch that we mowed and took a lot of time getting right. Um, I think at one stage we had all the stuff. We had sponsors on the ground and <laughs> stuff on the stumps and uh, we took it very seriously.
1: It's, a, it's an amazing... It's a wonderful thing, backyard cricket, it isn't is. it? Because it's it's inherent in... The country and a lot of us, especially growing up out of the big cities, yeah. it's, it's a wonderful thing, the backyard cricket.
0: It is. And I think it's where, well, a lot of Australian cricketers came from. I yeah. think everyone's first taste of cricket was, was watching it on telly, then going out in the backyard with your brother or your dad and, and trying to do, you know, what, what guys did. I mean, we were always trying to be Warnie or, or Booney back in, back in the day. Well, most of us wanted to be booney because we were Tasmanian, but <laughs> then we had the era where everyone was trying to bowl leg spinners. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, we tried to be lots of guys. We were always the War Brothers, and um, yeah, that was sort of our year of growing up. So, um, you know, if we weren't watching cricket, we were playing it.
1: How were you progressing in school as a young bloke? Sort of early high school years. Oh, early high school. I was, I was probably okay up until about then, actually.
0: Where about Primary were you going? school. I went to Lauderdale Primary School, yep. and then I went to Rokeby High School in grade seven, and I, I was probably pretty good up until grade eight. Uh, and then I started to take it really seriously. cricket yeah I, I started to think probably then that I was I thought I was good enough right um, to make something of it I've I'd, I'd sort of been in some under 13 and fifteen squads from when I was twelve. Um, and you know I think that's the time where you, you get around people who are probably two, three years older than you' from all around the state and it's probably when I started to figure out that I was I was okay um, and I thought I could start to see a pathway I guess so.
1: But when we were out here at Blunston Arena, if we are having a chat um, with you and Punter, it's often not about cricket. It's often about footy. And if I listen to you or Rick, pretty much you both claim you're a combination of of, uh, (laughs) Surioli, Alex (laughs) Jeslenko, Tony Lockett, and and maybe (laughs) Gary Ablett, Senior, and maybe a bit of Gary Ablett, Junior. Yeah, no, that's very cool.
0: You played a lot of footy? Yeah, I did. I played... um, yeah, I, th- I think I've got a certificate at home, actually. I think I played 150 junior games at my fo- at Lauderdale Football Club. And okay. again, because my brother Nick was three or four years older than me and my next-door neighbour, Jaff, was, was a year older than Nick, I was often there w- watching those guys. And I think I played my first under-8 game when I was about four or five. Just stand in a forward pocket. So I, I was someone who got sometimes two games a weekend. Because right. if someone at my brother's game wasn't there, you ready to? They go. just sho- shove me straight in. So. And you'd be hanging on the sidelines. Hanging I for was a hoping of... blokes wouldn't turn up. Yeah, I loved it. So, um, and and that was the same with cricket. So I think I always kind of played out out of my age group. Um, I don't think I played in my age group until under thirteens. How would you describe if you had a modern day AFL footballer? <sighs> Who are you comparing yourself well, to? Because I, this will get
1: a real idea well, about your I don't, ego now. I
0: don't want to compare myself to him, but I, I was often told, <laughs> Howie, from others, that um, that I had a bit of James Heard about me. Oh. So the, the, the theory was that if they, I could play tall, I could play small. So it was a hard match-up, so I was right. told by some of my junior coaches. But um, And you were a
1: Bombers man and still I are. was a
0: Bombers man, so I've certainly claimed that one. And I know now when, when the footy comes out at cricket training and, and the rookie's Ask, you know, Did you play footy or were you yeah. any good? I say, well, again, I'm not going to blow my own trumpet. <laughs>
1: but others have said. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, talked about playing up in cricket. What, what's your memory of your first game of proper cricket away from yeah. the backyard? Um, well, we used to have twilight cricket. Did yeah. you play twilight cricket yeah. where you had the four
0: overs? So I can sort of remember that um, a little bit. Uh, but I think my very my first proper game of cricket was... Mm-hmm. Um, Enrico Divinudo, Michael's father had come to lauderdale primary and run a clinic um, so I was in grade six and he asked me after that to come he was the gr- club coach of university so he said would you would you come and, and play and um, at that stage that was called vacation cricket um, so I was obviously in the school holidays and I think it was under 13 cricket uh, 50 overs aside um, so we I remember That's a lot we played when in grade six yeah yeah and we we'd, we'd batted first. Uh, I can't remember if I got any runs. I just remember walking back onto the field um, and our coach sort of calling us in to have a bit of a chat about how we we're going to go about it and then he went, he kind of realised we had no wicketkeeper. Um, so he said, does anyone keep? Um, and I, as I said, we'd played twilight cricket where you kept for two overs, four overs and then you kind of walked around the circle so everyone fielded in a different spot and then you got to mid off and then you bowled the next over and then you went to okay. mid on and you that's how it always played. So I'd kept for two overs here and there. Um, but, so yeah, so I said, oh, I've kept a little bit and kept that day and got." I think I got three or four stumpings and I've pretty much kept in every game I've played since.
1: Isn't that amazing really? that... Yeah. The,
0: ..the sliding doors moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And I can distinctly remember it because our coach for the day was a guy called Mike Graham-Smith, who ended up playing quite a bit of first-grade cricket with, um, went on to, to be our club president as well, so... Uh, but I, I can remember walking out and him calling us in, and then saying, "Oh, has anyone got a wicketkeeper?" And I had that sort of—I oh, put my hand up, and I think a couple of guys did. Um, I'm not sure why he, he said, "Oh, well, you may as well go, Tim." But probably the smallest. Oh, Don Demont. Yeah, I probably was the smallest. And <laughs> there we go.
1: Back to your school, so I guess sort of year seven, year seven, eight, or yep. you you're starting to lose focus on the school because it was about cricket? Yeah, or footy. Or footy. Yeah, it was right. always it's one about or the other. sport. Yeah. So um, what were the reports coming through? Tim is a. I think Tim was
0: always well mannered and, and polite. Mm. He was just. Um, he was either easily distracted or <laughs> worried about something else, or he was I, was. I was constantly late back from lunch or recess because we'd have to finish that over or have that shot after the siren or. <laughs> Oh, I don't even know what what we were doing. But, yeah, I think I was always um, a well-behaved student, but I just yeah, I just kind of made up my mind that it, it wasn't for me. I don't think Mum and Dad were thrilled about it. I always sort of put in, but yep. if it came down to doing my homework or, or going to cricket or footy, I, I wanted to go to cricket or footy.
1: Was there any other plan that ever... We'll speak about the fact that I think you were 16 and made the youngest ever yeah. rookie in the history of Australian cricket. Was yeah. there any other plan? Was there anything other yeah. that Tim was going to do? Yeah, so
0: at that stage I'd, I'd left high school um, and we were all going to college and Rosney College is a couple of hundred metres up the road and all of my friends were going into this um, it was like a half college, half TAFE. It was, it was a building and construction course where you spent time as a plasterer, time as a painter, oh. time as a builder and Time is, I don't know, something else and um, all my friends went for that so I thought well, I was on, I'd been offered a rookie contract so I thought I'd, I'd just do that and sort of go along for the ride a bit to be honest um, and then it sort of all came to a head when we had to do work experience blocks and this wasn't my greatest moment but um, I would be sort of put with a builder or a painter or whatever and um, and then it was up to me to make contact with him to organise, pick up and, and whatnot and, and a few times I just didn't make the calls so the boys were going for their two week work experience <laughs> and I actually was getting into my work gear, into my overalls, walking down the road waiting for mum and dad to drive past me and then I'd go straight back home, get changed and go to cricket
1: <laughs>
0: and then I'd have like a Damien Wright or a Adam Griffith who's now our coach and all yeah. that would, would drop me home after training but, um, Yeah. so then anyway that the guys from school found out, and they rang, um, oh. yeah, the CEO over here and, and Tim Coyle, who was an Ali De Winter were our under nineteen coaches, and they had a bit of a meeting, and
1: um, I ended up completing the course, and um, but yeah, didn't take it any further. So, when was the decision between cricket and footy in your mind, or it didn't really get to that point? No,
0: I didn't quite get to that
1: point. So I'd um,
0: I'd play. I, I played one senior game for Clarence here um, when I was sixteen. And then Jack
1: Revolt's team,
0: yeah, Sport? Yep. yep. Jack was there. He was a bit younger than me, um, so yeah, played one game, had probably twenty-five touches. <laughs> how? So this
1: <laughs> is <laughs> what happens couple. when you get together when you start <laughs> talking footy. This is what I was. This is what I was meaning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> had a few kicks, uh, and then the next week I went into the under sixteen state carnival. Um, played a few games in that, and I have to tell you, I didn't get too many kicks in that. Um, played, so that was actually in Hobart as well. So we played Queensland, Western Australia, Northern Territory.
1: Did you play any guns looking back? Um,
0: yeah, I, don't know. I remember playing, I think it was Ashley Sampy at one oh, stage. I
1: could take and a And for that
0: age as well, like he could kick the ball.
1: Yeah.
0: We didn't know what foot he kicked. Right. At that stage, and he kicked it a mile. <laughs> um, Schneider played oh, yeah. for New South Wales ACT. I remember yep. him, he had about 50 kicks at... at um, <laughs> At North Hobart Oval one day, and there's an, actually another guy who was very good at that age was um, was Graham Polak. Oh yeah. He ended up Fitch uh, he, he, Fremantle in Richmond, in Richmond, I think. Like he ended he up. He didn't quite, yeah, he didn't quite kick on, but yeah. at that age he was he was nearly unstoppable. But um, so yeah, I played that that carnival and finished over a weekend, and then uh, Monday morning. I had a phone call from David Johnson to me and my mum to come over. So I went over and they offered me a contract.
1: Which was a a rookie contract at 16 for 10 grand, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was 10 grand, so I was in the money. What was that figure to you? Yeah, it was huge. I bet it was. Uh, I didn't get a lot of it. I think mum took control of it. I think I was getting $20 a week (laughs) at the time.
1: Well done, mum. Clever.
0: So that was put away. So that that was a new system, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the first year of, of the rookie contracts. And that they were all 10 grand. It didn't matter what age you were or, you know, your background. I think now it can kind of change. Mm-hmm. You can have a rookie between a certain amount, but they were all 10, 10 grand. So I got that on the Monday, and and basically in that was that I was a professional cricketer, so I couldn't play footy or cricket, whereas there's been rookies in the past mm-hmm. or now that that can do a bit of both. Um, so maybe maybe David Johnson saw a bit of that James yeah. Heard in me and thought, well, we we better not let him slip through the net. <laughs> not,
1: we've got to give him the 10 grand. So... Um, was was Booney retired by then?
0: Yes. Yes, Booney was basically in charge of contracts then.
1: Right. So, Rick would have been involved in the Tasmanian setup. Yep. Did you have much yep. contact? At no, that I'd and seen
0: him a couple of times, maybe. And, obviously, then he was living in, in right. Sydney. Yep. Um, so and I wasn't playing, so...
1: So, so you're down here training yep. as, a, as a 16 year old yep. with some of these guys, Damien, Wright etc. What's that like as a young kid?
0: Yeah, that was very daunting. I bet. Very daunting. I was really lucky that um, we just signed um, David Saker. Oh, yep. And Shane Watson as well as and and oh, what
1: I'd come down from Queensland. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so I'd sort of hit it off with Shane. I think just because I was quite young and. Um, he'd moved away from his family And I think at the time he was only probably 19 or 20 But um, So yeah, I was lucky that I sort of got in with, with Watto quite early um, Sakes was actually really, really nice Where He'd come across as that really hard man of cricket mm-hmm. But um, there was three rookies that year first three rookies were myself, George Bailey and Xavier Doldy um, And so a lot of the guys then, it was just kind of how it was They made it pretty hard work for you or didn't speak to you or, yeah. or whatever But I'll always remember that, that Watto... Uh, David Saker, Damien Wright, Jared Denton were the four or five guys who always made us welcome or, or asked us to come for a coffee after training and stuff well, like you, that. Well, you
1: mentioned coffee. Um, surely they had their beers occasionally. What did the 16-year-old
0: Yeah, do? Yeah, well, I didn't play. I was only on, right. on rookie contracts, so, so I didn't play training. until I was 19. But um, I played the odd second 11 game where we, we went out and it was a bit of a team mission to sort of sneak me into wherever <laughs> we were, basically, but, um and keep it away from Corley. I yeah, didn't I mean. want him, him knowing that I'd snuck out for a few beers. But, uh, I mean, I don't remember doing it too much, to be honest, because, I mean, if you can imagine me at, at 16, yeah. I probably looked like I was eight. So yeah, exactly right. So I don't think they would have had a lot of luck getting me in anywhere. I was doing fair. some
1: reading painting and you went on and you were the Australian, tell me if I'm wrong, the Australian under-19 captain at a yep. World Cup. Yep. But made some runs but took seven wickets. Mm. Yeah. What were you wheeling out at that stage? Just some
0: medias, medium paces. Right. But again, I think most kids did then. Right. Like we, all, we all batted, bowled. It was kind of, I think, again, probably from the amount of backyard cricket we played.
1: Did you do a bit with it, or were you...? Um, not
0: really. Not in, it was in <laughs> Bangladesh, so it was okay. pretty flat. It wasn't doing a lot. Right. Um, but yeah, I do, I, remember, I do remember taking a few wickets. We had Adam Crossway in the side as well, and, or in the squad, and, and we weren't bowling all that well, so... I think we just figured that we could sneak sort of five or six overs in from me and, and, and change the makeup of our side a bit. So, what's
1: it like? Is it, I presume you hadn't travelled a great deal at no. this stage. You're a kid from no. Tassie and you're in Bangladesh. Yeah.
0: yeah, it was a battle. Was it? We had While well, a lot of the
1: guys yeah. had not
0: seen some of the stuff we saw on that trip, it's the first time we'd you know, faced spinners that spun the ball, for one, <laughs> from, from a cricket point of view, or played on a pitch that spun, um, and then just food drink, showering, all that sort of stuff, brushing your teeth. Did you get crook or not? I don't think I did. I think a number of guys did, though. Um, but I bit remember bit staying at a hotel in um, it was called, a place called Radshahi, which is really it's north Bangladesh, as far up as you can go. And we literally stayed in this hotel and all the pipes were on the outside of the wall. There was no glass. It was just bars, and around your bed you just had a big mosquito net. Really? Yeah. And so we're like 17, 18 Moses on Reeks, I think, it was sixteen. Walking into a place like that, and blokes didn't know what to do, <laughs> and we didn't play all that well either. Too. Not so, surprised. Um, we got beaten by Zimbabwe. Actually, got bowled out for fifty-seven. We were one for none for forty-eight. <laughs> all at sixty-seven. Sorry. So that went so pear shaped. Yeah, it went pear shaped really quickly. Um, but, yeah, it was, di- it was so difficult. Guys were either sick or oh, we didn't know what to do with ourselves
1: over there. Must make some amazing friendships yeah. growing up with people like that.
0: Yeah, we did. Um, well, no- another good story, actually, that one we had everyone at that stage took their PlayStations onto them. We thought, oh, at least we'll have something to do in Bangladesh. We can play PlayStation. We got to the hotel, and what we figured out in about the first day was that we could only ever have one plugged in at the same time, otherwise the power at the whole hotel would shut out. <laughs> so we played we had a cricket game and we ended up playing a whole season so but you you just had one team so I was Tasmania Adam Crossweight was Victoria Moses was New South Wales and and so on and so forth we played every game of the series (laughs) really on the on the the thing the whole thing but then someone else would think oh today would be the day they can plug their PlayStation in and see if they can play a game as well and Jesus the boys would hurl abuse
1: <laughs> and shut down oh,
0: shut the hole front <laughs> <laughs> gone so that, was, that was interesting you're getting stuck in lifts and all sorts of stuff so it was, it was a real eye opener for a young group um, yeah we didn't play that well we didn't cope with it very well so when did you first get a run for Tassie it would have
1: been in a in a 50 over game yeah
0: yeah yeah I played a 50 over game oh, was 19 when was that I don't I can't remember the year um, but my first one-day game was in Perth Against Western Australia um, I think I got 27 or 8 uh, I remember Marcus North was playing Telling me I was no good Was he? Yeah, I remember that <laughs> Kind of came from nowhere too So actually quite nice that game And I ran down the pitch and charged a bloke I think and just slapped it And went somewhere through the offside And he, um, I remember him giving me a bit of a mouthful So I didn't do that again um, yeah, and then a week later, I think I came home, played my second game here, got sixty against South Australia. Had Gillespie playing and a few, and Tate and a few decent bowlers. And then that night, I'd had oh, a good eight or nine beers after the game, I reckon. And the Shield, in those days, the Shield game started the two days later, so I was, I'd left the ground. I'd had a few beers at the ground to celebrate getting my first fifty. I thought I was going beautifully. <laughs> And um, I was out at uh, T42. Actually, of course you yeah, were. With Rhett Lockyer and Travis Burt. And my phone rang and it was Tim Corn. I thought, why would Callie be ringing me at like 10 o'clock on a Saturday night? Anyway, I picked up the phone, said, wandered outside, said, G'day, Corley. He said, oh, what are you up to, Payne? I said, oh, no, not much, mate. Just out for dinner and about to head home, actually.
1: Out dinner. <laughs> <out> dinner.
0: <laughs> about to head home. Uh, we, uh, he said, oh, well, Div has pulled up. He's got a bit of a sore back. Um so come in tomorrow and um, we'll see what happens and no so I went in for training the next morning I wasn't, wasn't feeling the sharpest so I thought went back in and had a bit of a meeting with Trav and Locke and said "Oh, you know what do you reckon Diva's back well, do you reckon I'll play on Monday and they're like nah you're not going to play That'd be silly just get on with it come on let's <laughs> another go another one yeah so we had a rather large night and I had to front up for training the next day and I was in a world of hurt but I, I still remember walking into the indoor centre to train and Diva was batting and I thought, oh, perfect, no worries at all So I didn't do anything for training um, And then Corey said, oh, you better just come back in the morning Just to make sure, no problem So I come in again, walk in the indoor nets so There's Diva hitting balls on the bowling machine Perfect, I had a coffee from Banjo's and a bacon and egg I thought I'll just go and sit, watch the first session and enjoy it And Diva's come up into the change rooms And I was sitting there having a laugh Because I was relaxed, I didn't think I was playing And he sort of looked at me and went, no good and I was like, "What? I'm, I'm no good, yeah, I know And he goes, no, I'm no good Back's no good Yeah, so apparently he'd been mid-session and he seized up again So I was in and hadn't had a hit for a couple of days And had a massive night And then uh, walked out and nicked about my third ball, I think Yeah, <laughs> yeah out for a duck Out yeah, for a duck Yeah, caught Manu, bold Rofe it was So that was a bit disappointing well, But it goes to say a lot for, for <laughs> preparation, yeah. it's fair to say But uh, yeah, I never. It was weird because I just never thought I was going to play, and so. But again, like from a very first shield game, I was taught a really important lesson that was to be ready to go, no matter what. Um, And so I certainly never did that again. But I I was just convinced that I wasn't going to play, so I just didn't prepare accordingly. And uh, now I'll prepare accordingly, even if I know I am not playing because you just you never know. But um, so yeah, the time wasn't great, but I, I took a pretty valuable lesson out of it.
1: Back to Tim shortly. Next week on the Howie Games, we are featuring a young man who has made a huge impact after one season in the NBA. In just a few short years, Ben Simmons has gone from playing high school hoops at Box Hill and suburban Melbourne to becoming a very, very big deal. Have you bought yourself a nice car? Yeah, I got a couple. Can you tell me what they are? Yeah, I'm, the first car I bought was uh, a Range Rover, right? Um, an
0: everyday truck for me to just get around.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The next one was a Bentley. A Bentley? And, yeah. And then a, a Ferrari, but then I sold the Bentley, got a, a Rolls Royce.
1: What, what type of Ferrari? Uh, 488 Spider. What colour is it? It's matte black. Can you fit in a Ferrari? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's Ben Simmons next week on the Howie Games. Back to Tim. Well, we're skipping ahead a bit now. That's the good thing about the podcast. And we'll get to you when you came back into the test side. Yep. But I remember when it came out and we were... Um, must have been doing a big bash game with junior and we were asking about it before we went on air yeah and um and he said oh you know it's a left field selection but and and i'll never forget punter said yeah will make runs you'll yeah. make more runs in test cricket yeah. than he does in first class cricket and i was actually having a look this morning yeah. and in your 13 test matches you're average 40 yeah. and in your eight million first yeah. class games you average 30 yeah why is that uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I wish but I knew Pinders the answer. Straight away, yeah. he said, just the way he plays. Yeah, well, I, he'll think, be in test I think better. I think the wickets,
0: generally in Shield cricket, are a little bit more underdone. Right. Um, so they obviously do they do more and they do it for longer. Um, whereas I think Test matches traditionally they they want the pitch to be a bit flatter because it's better for viewing. It's it's better for crowds. You get the five day Test rather than a, you know some of our Shield games are done in two days. Yeah. So, uh, I mean the curator would get absolutely cane from his association if you have your one, you mark your marquee game of the year True and it lasts two days
1: Whereas in the Shield it's just a, uh, it's a bundle over yeah. Tasmania got beat by yeah. such and such And, and they don't have go. to open
0: the ground for two days so it actually saves them money <laughs> So <laughs> it's a win-win The players actually quite enjoy it as so well So you put but, it down to the wicket? Yeah I think so I think the ball just does less in Test cricket um, Yeah that, that would be my main difference I think obviously the speed goes up, mm. um, but again I think the way I play, I've, I've preferred pace. Than, you know, I really struggle with guys like a, a Chad Sayers or a Trent Copeland who who are slow, and I feel like I can get after them. But conditions in Shield cricket are often in their favour. Yeah, okay. Um, whereas in Test cricket, you know, the, those sort of guys, it, it's difficult for them because they can't get any movement. So the guys that are playing are bowling. Good, good pace because speed's important in Test cricket in, in most conditions. Um, England's probably slightly different, but um, I think that that would probably be the main thing. It's just it's it swings a bit more, and and technically, I mean, I bat at seven for a reason. Yeah, I'm not uh, defensively fantastic. Uh, I used to be quite a, I suppose, a talented player, a bit more hand eye than technique. So if the ball swung around. For my whole innings, it, it, it troubled me, whereas in test cricket, I might have to get through an hour or half an hour of, of the second new ball and then it,
1: it comes back into my favour a bit more. And away you go. So you yeah. played your first one day. What was it like when you when you walked out for Australia for the first time yeah. in one-day international? Well, again, interesting. My first one-day international
0: was you at on the Grange. You on you? No, remember. I wasn't. I, was right. in, I played against Scotland. Oh, Scotland? Though. Yeah. The Grange? In, in Edinburgh. So... Um, huh. Yeah, I got my cap presented to me from Greg Blewett, uh, who was there commentating. Uh, but it was yeah, it was the game that we always used to play. That we had a seven match series coming up against a stri- against England. England played Ireland and and we played Scotland. They still do that now, I think. Yep. And then you swap it over the next year. Um, they say so, yeah, we played at Scotland at the Grange and uh, batted down the order in the f- in that game and got um, I think got twenty or thirty not out. Um, we won pretty easily. I think David Hussey got 100 and, and Davey Warner got a really quick 60 or 70. But that, that game, actually, we played our T20 side. Um, I'm not sure why. I think mm-hmm. the T20s were first against England, so instead of playing the 50 overside, they just said, look, we'll just roll out our our 20 overside against Scotland in a 50 over game so they can get a hit. Um, and then the next one day, I, actually, I opened the batting and uh, Watto ran me out for four. Jeez. Now this is out if he hits, surely he is out. That was a terrible run. And Tim Payne will have to walk back to the pavilion, but it wasn't any of his doing. A bad run from Watson, but a great direct hit from Collingwood. Come on, Watto. Yeah. (laughs) I knew it was going to happen too. It was actually a good bit of work from Paul Collingwood. Watto actually hit it quite hard and thought, I think he just thought, beauty, I've got that out of the middle, I'll take off here. And just ran, Paul Collingwood just full stretch, got it in his left hand, swapped over his hands and just... Direct hit, and I was probably halfway down. So, uh, but we won that game, won that series. You got a hundred in the series. I got hundred in the in the sixth, fifth game, I think. Tim Payne now on ninety nine. Down, down. That'll do it. That'll do it. It'll give him huge pleasure, and the team around him. Just his seventh one-day international. He made his debut against Scotland three weeks ago. Would you believe? And now here at Trent Bridge, famous ground, he secures a fine achievement. What's it like
1: scoring hundred for Australia?
0: Yeah, it was great. Um, we're in a bit of trouble too. I, met, I had a big partnership with Mike Hussey, which was awesome. So it was it was it was interesting batting with someone that who who you know is that good, but. That was the thing I remember from that innings is that it, it, I could not believe when I got home that night that he didn't think he was that good. He, I, I felt at times he was like, "Yeah, you know, geez, this bloke's bowling really well. I'm finding this really hard. And I'm standing there thinking I'm watching a different bloke. He's like, you know, Graham Swan's really hard to hit. I kind feel like I'm struggling against him as he was coming down and chipped him over cover or hitting him back over his head. So it was interesting to see how he... I don't know. I never really asked him about it, but whether he used that to sort of keep himself motivated and keep himself going. But um, where I've played with other great players, was just like, mate, just get me on strike. I'll What's it like, Batman? Ricky? Um, yeah, I remember when playing one-day internationals early with him. He was, he was. I wouldn't say intense, but he was, he was fierce. I remember that. Like he was so determined. Um, didn't talk a hell of a lot sort of technically or what he was trying to do or anything like that, but he was just... I just remember the sort of look in his eye and um, when he was on, he was on. There was no sort of dip in, in his intensity at any stage. I think that's what, what... Obviously, he was a freak of nature with his hand-eye, but he had this... He was just so driven, um, and you could see that every time you, you batted with him. He was fiercely competitive. Um, but at the same time, he, he kind of had a nice calmness about him as well, and, and he was always reassuring, whether that was just how I felt because mm. I was batting at the other end to Ricky Ponting and that made me feel a bit better or a bit more invincible I'm not sure but Did you
1: did you have that in any of those early days playing for your country I'm now out here batting with yeah. such and such or facing yeah. such and such yeah. like as a young bloke making Yeah I way. did I
0: had and then my first Australian teams like we had um, Shane Watson Simon Kadich Michael Clark, Ricky Ponting um, Mike Hussey Brett Lee um, yeah so some some pretty impressive cricketers. I remember keeping to Binger at times when he was bowling so fast, and I just thought, "This is this is amazing." Like I'm in England at Lords, keeping to Brett Lee, like one of the all-time greatest bowlers, and here's me. Huh. You now it's called Payne-Bold Lee, and you sort of look at it, seat on the scoreboard, and have a bit of a chuckle. But yeah, my first, my early, probably first 15 or 21 day games in, in particular, I played with some some of the best players we've we've
1: ever had. And, so how do you paint tell yourself that you're good enough to be at that level playing with these guys like how how do you make yourself in your own mind think I deserve to be out here? Well
0: I think that was always one of Ricky's strengths was that he was I always found that um, you know when people ask me what what he's like I always found that because Ricky was such an icon of the game Mm. and so no matter where we went as a team he was always there was always more um, attention around him or bigger crowds or you know, people wanted to, to talk to him or interview him or have photos with him and the rest of us could sometimes just wander through and, and you'd slip by because they wanted to make sure they had their photo or got Ricky's signature. But um, for me, I, you know, I always say that he was sort of, your listeners probably can't see this, but I always saw him you know, ahead of everyone else yep. and then the next best player was here and then we were all here. <laughs> the amazing thing with Ricky is he did everything he possibly could to bring himself back to this level or to take you with him. So, um, you know, I think if you had any self-doubt, he kind of took that from you and he made you feel six foot tall. He made you feel like you belonged. He's um, done... I,
1: and I think he did that with everyone at Channel 10. Yeah. With the big bash. Yeah. In fact, I know he did that. Yeah.
0: Well, one, you you feel I think you probably train better and train harder and not try harder, but it, you, you're trying to impress him. Absolutely. So that was one thing. And then, so you had all guys trying to impress him but then you had him trying to close the gap as well to make himself more normal so he was approachable um and i just always found that he just had a really nice way of doing that and and, and making you feel like you were good enough
1: you made your test debut against pakistan yeah in england I of did. all places yeah. with it probably was Steve Smith was it when he yeah. was a little leg spitter yeah, he used he to come in down behind the me that he that day yeah. he behind I think you.
0: someone else batted ahead of me I was 7 I can't remember
1: who was 8 but I think Smithy might have been 9 <laughs> I think I could be wrong so what's it like when they hand you the, the famous yeah. cap that it's pretty you, special you know, you've grown up playing backyard cricket we've yeah. talked about and then you get given the baggy green yeah, cap
0: well my, my, mine again Like my idol was Booney and then, then Ricky and so Booney had retired and Uh, I think he was there as a selector at that stage and and Ricky was the captain so he at at that time was doing all of the presentations he took that on himself as the captain to have a little speech so to have him, um, you know, someone I looked up to since I was a kid and by this stage sort of got to know him and become um, friends with him was special Can you remember what he said? I have no idea Right I have no idea um, but I can't remember walking out to bat that first test. Can you not? Not a thing.
1: Are not you a nervous I'm still,
0: Uh Yes and no. Probably not as nervous as some. Probably sort of mid-range and sometimes I'm, I'm okay.
1: But you don't actually remember walking
0: out? No, I just, rem- I just can't remember it. <laughs> I, I still don't know. I mean, I do because I've looked into it. But I, like right now I couldn't tell you who bowled the ball where I got my first test run. I th- it might have been Umar Gul, but I'm not sure. So in the first half an hour was just a complete blur.
1: Because it was so overwhelming? Yeah,
0: I just remember... I can sort of remember everything but the cricket. It was like everything that moved. I noticed every camera, every wire that sort of read, the, the stuff that I wasn't used to in normal cricket. I, if someone moved in the crowd, I saw it. Huh. If the cameraman moved or he turned his angle or... Um, you know, I remember stepping over like cables stuff like that but I don't remember what was actually important which probably why I think I only got 14 or 15 but um, yeah just a, it's all just an absolute blur and I, I still find it now though when I play even a big bash game or, a, or one day it's just that now it takes me about 10 seconds to which I think as soon as you walk onto the ground I'm really alert to everything that's going on and then by the time I get ready to face my ball it comes into sort of the sight screen and, and the run up but I remember in the early days it, it sometimes took 10 minutes, whereas now it takes 10, 15 seconds and you kind of forget that there's a crowd there.
1: And what is test cricket like, Payne? Um, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love
0: playing in different countries in, in different conditions that we're not used to. I think that's, that's the greatest thing about it. Like, like we're going to Dubai soon and, and Australia's record isn't fantastic over there, but... Um, I just, I love the challenge of that. I think it's every time we go overseas, there's this, an expectation at the moment that we, that we probably won't win, particularly in Asia. So um, that's what's driving me at the moment. Um, but yeah, to play Test cricket is, um, yeah, it's everything I've ever, ever dreamed it would be. Is it it's, fierce?
1: Is it fierce as it looks?
0: Yeah, it is. It's, it's so tough. Like I, I play a shield game, And I can go home and meet Bonnie, my wife, and go out for dinner, or go and watch a movie, or do I play a day's Test cricket and I get home? Most of the time, I end up ordering room service, and sometimes I fall asleep before I get there.
1: Because of the mental side. Yeah,
0: I'm just absolutely gone. There's just so much more that goes into it with the media, the pressure, um, even the you know in the Ashes this year, like. Everyone you spoke to wanted to know about it, whether you walked outside the hotel to grab a coffee in the morning or it was a day off and you were going for a shop in town. Like, everyone wanted to talk about it, and there's just no escape of it unless you're in your hotel room, really, Um, which is great as well. I love it at the same time, but it's extremely tiring. Um, And that was the difference. I think even my wife had no idea about cricket. When we'd finish an Ashes test, I'd come home for two days and I I would sleep for a lot of it. I was huh. just exhausted, but I, at the start of last Ashes, I was under uh, in pretty intense pressure as well and scrutiny that I hadn't ever had. Um, sort of picked in Australia purely on the back of of being what they perceived as the best wicketkeeper, um, and I think a lot of people maybe didn't like that or didn't didn't know why we'd sort of change from picking a wicketkeeper who could bat to we're just going
1: along with the best wicketkeeper, which is what it was. Yeah, pre Gilly. Exactly. But then Gilly just changed the game. Yeah, for anyone, didn't he? And What did. was the um, what you, what you go to in the room service? Well, uh, King of room service.
0: Oh, during a game, I'm a bit more lenient. I'll, I'll have anything with some chips. But otherwise, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty good with my diet. But right. I had a big day in the field. If, if there's a burger and chips on the on the hotel <laughs>
1: That's what you room know service,
0: on it. you know, even in India, and in places like that, you know, you're not going to miss right. too often. <laughs> it's not. It's it's a pretty safe option.
1: It was going well. You'd played, I don't know, once you play three or four tests. And whenever anyone talks about your career, they always talk about uh, you, a exhibition game for one of yeah. a better term. Yeah. And Dirk Nannis. Yeah. What happened? Um Yeah, he hit me with a thunderbolt, he bowled quick.
0: I you, remember well, I can't remember really, I was mic'd up. I right. think might, I'm not sure if it was the first time.
1: It was an exhibition, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was um it was the All-Stars versus Australia. And I think the idea was that that was going to be how we were going to launch the summer all the time. So you'd picked... The fans picked their best BBL team from the year before. Mm. And you played against the current Australian 2020 side. So I was in the All-Stars team. I think we bowled first. Yeah, we did, because I kept. So um, I bowled first. Um, and We knew that they had Tatey and... Dirk and so I was opening the batting and there yeah, at that stage those two were bowling so fast oh. even like Tatey always bowled first but even, even um, Dirk at that stage was bowling quickly and swinging the ball
1: and not really knowing either on where it could end up no
0: you were every chance to get a hand aheader. so it wasn't <laughs> nice you were never facing them with any confidence no matter how many you were on and then to go out and start against them with a new ball and at the Gabba which was far. it was so fast and I remember me and Davey we walking out to bat um, and he said, right, I'm going to stand at that end and you stand at that end and we're just going to hit boundaries. We're not running. I said, sounds good with me. We were pretty young, confident players and that's kind of how we approached it. And I remember the first couple of balls, Davey like, picked his bat up and it was in the keeper's gloves before he even started his downswing. And then he got one up in his sort of rib cage and dropped it on the pitch. And we looked up at the scoreboard and was like, I think it was... Uh, Tatey, sorry, Dirk at bowled and it was like 154.2 and Davey oh, sort of tapped his bat came down doing a bit of fake gardening just getting rid of a few nerves and he said to me don't worry about that plan if I get one if I get bat on ball I'm running so get ready <laughs> next ball bang, single, I'm on strike I think there was two balls left in the over and the first one was a real wide one and I just sort of threw my hands at it and middled it over point and I thought well on my way here, how good's this? I think it must have annoyed big dirt because the next one was right up under my armpit and just got me flush absolutely, yeah, just destroyed my finger, so um I cracked it a lot right up under the knuckle basically and and the bottom half was where I was holding the bat had sort of crumbled, but a pretty bad break on the top and um yeah, and the bottom wasn't great either from the i suppose the pressure of the handle at the bottom so. Um, yeah I remember walking off And Mark Taylor I was, I was yeah. mic'd up Mark Taylor said Oh is it You right, mate What's what's going on I said no nah, I'm no good And he said What no good Is in what bit sore Or And I said No nah, mate It's it's no good And I remember him kept He kept trying to talk to me On the way off I was that close But I remember I was on live television But uh, yeah I said no nah, Mark It's no good mate And I just took the Thing out of my And I had this huge Sort of dent in my finger Um a, I stayed in Brisbane a few days too because it was a bit sore to fly
1: in an exhibition game when mm. when you are playing for your country yeah. so tell me the travails and you just yeah your, what's happened to that finger which I'm looking at um, on your right hand
0: so I well from then I had I had six operations six yeah six unsuccessful and one which fixed it so I missed I missed two cricket seasons well, what were um, they doing just Um, well, was lots of different things. Sometimes the bone itself didn't heal. Other times I had screws came out or the plate had broken. Um, I remember one, I went to the 2011 World Cup. I had to play a game, a one-day international in Perth to sort of prove my fitness. And I thought, I knew that if I went to the World Cup, I was unlikely to play, but I didn't want to miss it. So I just got through this game in Perth. Um... But I was fielding and it just didn't feel right. And uh, But I didn't say anything, so I just went to the World Cup and just made sure all, every day I trained. I trained, I did a lot with tennis ball. I only caught cricket ball when they when they made me or I had to catch the bowlers in warm-up or something like that, but I tried to stay away from it as much as I could. Batting, I kind of found a way that if I kept my finger off the bat, it didn't hurt that much. And again, I I tried not to face bowlers a lot and tried to do a lot of drill work. Um, but from there, I went same, I just signed a been picked up in the IPL on a three-year deal so um I wanted to be there to, yep. to basically get my pay so I, I stayed as long as I could but it just it wasn't good so I played two games and then said to Jeff Marsh our coach I said I've I'm no good here I've got to go home get it looked at and I, I came home and got x-rayed and the plate had actually some stage during India the plate along the top had actually broken but it was digging into the back of my finger, so that's what I was getting most of the pain from. The, the break itself had nearly healed. It was close enough to healing, but it was just that the back of the pin had actually cracked inwards and was digging into the back of my thing, and it kept getting stuck on this tendon as well. So I had some serious issues there for a little while, but um, then Brian Haddon actually came and saw me and said, I think you should go and see this person that he'd seen in Sydney, and I went and saw him, and he ended up taking a bit of my hip... And, and basically replacing the, the damaged bit of bone. Your hip. Yeah. So So it's strong. Very strong now. It just doesn't, doesn't bend much. Doesn't move all that much, but that's okay.
1: So you you missed you know, you were playing for Australia and then I talked about this with Damien Martin, that famous shot against yep. South Africa that cost him wrongly yep. in many people's eyes seven years of his career. Yep. What was for you? until a year ago it probably had cost your career full stop yeah I think most people would have said well Tim's not going to play test cricket yeah. for Australia again yeah how was the six years what, what's the lowest of uh, the low yeah it wasn't that bad right like I was still
0: obviously I was disappointed that I wasn't where I thought I was going to be but at the same time I had a very good job I was playing cricket for Tassie I was with literally most of my best mates every day um yeah, whilst I wasn't playing cricket, the the time, the, just the time when I wasn't playing, was the worst. When I got back playing for Tassie, I was fine. So um, would you have
1: been satisfied if it continued oh, down I think, that path? I
0: think once I finished, I would have been disappointed. I'm not sure. I, I think. And right at the very start, I was a bit bitter, but I kind of got over it pretty quickly. About um, just what might have been, really, like a, injury curtailed. A yeah, I think career. I was going really well. I was. I was I think I was in that real prime sort of time in your career where your talent is at its best and your mind's at its best and I know other people say it happens a bit later but um, like my confidence was sky high then, my, my skill was, was really good um, and, and I think in the back half of my career I lost a lot of confidence so mentally, I knew I know what I want to do, but I, sometimes I just didn't have the confidence in myself to go and do it. I just completely lost that until probably six or eight months ago.
1: So we talking. We talked about the baggy green and what it means. Yeah. What's it like having it? I don't know. Where, where is it? Like when, when you're not playing, do you stick it away or is yeah. it a reminder? Well, or what for the
0: six. So yeah. So for the six years, so maybe I was bitter because for the six years, I didn't have it in my house. Right. I didn't want to see it. Right. I didn't like it. Right. So I gave it to mum, and it was at mum and dad's for that whole time. That's not necessarily um,
1: bitter though, that's just...
0: Yeah, it was just a reminder of what I wasn't doing. So you banished it from the house? Yeah, I got rid of it. I just, yeah, I just didn't like seeing it. It, it did, it's, it was a bit of a trigger, I suppose, that, that made me upset. Um, yeah, and then I had a p- little period of time where someone else, other people were keeping and I was just like, oh, I found it really hard to watch. Um, and I am the biggest, I'm as big a cricket nuffy as, as probably Rick. Yeah. I, lo- I love it, I'll sit up all night at home I can't wait till Thursday night in England and India play Like I will watch any game of cricket Drives my wife nuts I watch every Big Bash game From the first ball to the last ball But I had a period there where I just didn't like watching International cricket I didn't like watching Australia Because it wasn't you Because I wasn't there So I didn't like that Um, So yeah I got rid of the cap Put it at mum and dad's And then when I got picked I actually had to ring her Because I hadn't thought about it for two or three years and she, my mum knew where it was, it was in the study at, at home So I, I actually picked it up on the way to the airport before the Brisbane test
1: Did you really? Yeah So leading into that season, you weren't you weren't getting a game for Tassie, were you? Yeah,
0: yeah, or oh, the year before Right Yeah
1: So how was it when you're actually now not getting a game for Tasmania? Yeah um, Again,
0: I had some pretty... Strong words with some people who were picking the teams here, and and people that I'd known for a long time, because I didn't agree with what, what they were doing.
1: Can I ask um, you what the? Well, I think what secretion. they
0: thought was that while we're not winning, we're going to go with youth, bloody young fella. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that was fine. I just felt that they were doing that for some and not for others, and so I couldn't stand. Rule. No, it wasn't consistent, and I'm I was pretty clear on that. If you're going to do it, do it. Don't just, just don't just have that rule for me. Um yeah, so that didn't that wasn't a great couple of weeks. But then again I, I get over things really quickly, I always have. And and the guys that I was having these I wouldn't say arguments with, they were just honest conversations. I was telling them what I think and they were telling me what they thought. Um
1: So is it was an urban myth that you were leaving Tassie to go and move to Melbourne to work for Yeah.
0: No, that was at the end of that year. Right. So um yeah, basically what happened was I'd had these conversations but then after a bit of time or a week or so or it might not have been that long it was good so I came back and spoke and, and the idea was that I would play second 11 and help develop our young players and, and help during the week of training and stuff like that. And
1: have you given up on your Australian career at this stage? Um, well, that
0: was the frustrating thing because I knew I was around the mix for the T20 side but they were saying well, it won't matter shield cricket or not you just play well in the big bash and you'll get a game so anyway um i started doing that and thinking again i sort of just took the positive out i thought well this isn't going to be a bad year or two for me to learn and if i want to go into talent idea if i want to go into coaching or high performance i can actually start crossing over into that whilst i'm playing which a lot of the afl players were starting to do as well Mm -hmm. um so i think that was actually the real turning point when i actually Um, took that on board. And I actually started to enjoy coming to training again because I was helping other people get better or um, helping develop some of our younger players, and I enjoyed it. Um, And then towards the end of the year, I still wasn't playing Um, an opportunity to come through Kookaburra. Uh, So again, I sat down with the same people in Tassie and said that I would... um, And again, I was completely honest with them. I didn't say do this or else. I just said, look being completely upfront, if you're not going to offer me a two year a multi-year deal I'm going to accept this job
1: which was working for Cougarborough
0: which was working for Cougarborough which now David Hussey's doing um, and they said oh, okay yeah give us a week and we'll we'll come back to you but I, I think they thought oh, I was joking because they know again they knew how much I loved playing cricket and loved being here um, so I came back in the next week and they said look here's your offer it's a one year deal and I said yeah no worries thanks Thanks anyway. Um, so then I actually went home that day, and I texted Ricky, and I said, uh, "Any houses for sale around you?" Knowing you lived in Brighton, taking taking the Mickey, a little bit. <laughs> he is Brighton, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the size right, his joint. Can I live in one of the wings of your house? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, "What do you mean?" I said, "I'm I'm going to take this job with Kookaburra And blah blah. He said, "What? Kidding yourself?" Blah blah. blah. And I said, "Well, it's actually not really." My choice. I'm not going to play. If I do stay, I'll be second eleven captain. Um, blah blah blah, and um, left it at that. And he said, oh, "I'm going to make some phone calls and see what I can find out." And
1: then he got on the phone. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then a few days later, I had a, um, another contract for a couple of years. So do we.
1: You have any understanding? Have you ever discussed with him? When Rick says I'm going to give him a call and find out what's
0: going on. No, I think what actually happened as well was that we had a change of CEO.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and he made it pretty clear that he wanted me around. Um, so I'm not sure if they had spoken, but I know Ricky had made contact with the guys that were here right. at the time. Um, and then, yeah, and then Nick Nick actually rang me not long after that and said, obviously I'm we haven't got the contract right now, but... Um, you know, I want you to be around. Um, this is my plan.
1: It's that sliding doors again that we talked about at yeah. the
0: start, isn't it? So we decided to knock that job back, and um, yeah, and a few months later, Nick moved down, and, and the rest is kind of history.
1: So, what was the match you got selected for? Was it the, not the PM's? CA11. The CA11. Yeah.
0: Um, so, again, I um, had a Adam Griffith took over as coach. Uh, Wadey came down, uh, so they told me that I wasn't going to play the first game. Uh, and so Wadey, Wadey went,
1: leaves Victoria. He comes to Tasmania, yep. and he's the keeper. He's the keeper. He grew up playing yep. backyard cricket with. So
0: I was twelfth man in the first game for Tassie in Perth, uh, and we lost that pretty badly. Um, and then from there, um, Greg Chapel rang me and said we'd like you to captain the. CA eleven. They
1: say anything else against or just England. Captain that. Um,
0: no, he just said, look, you're obviously not playing. Um, we want the CA eleven had copped a bit of a touch-up in the JLT Cup as well, mm-hmm. so I think they thought instead of going with all young kids, we we might try and sprinkle one or two in. So I know Ed Cowan was asked but didn't play because he had a family commitment. Simon Malenko played, so he was sort of a Decent first-class cricketer, just to add a little bit of experience in amongst so all when, the talented players. So when was the Cricket
1: Australia 11 match?
0: So that was between the first Shield game and the second Shield game.
1: Oh, so we're talking November 2017? Yeah, yeah,
0: about, yeah, about two or three weeks.
1: Three weeks before the first test? Just under eight. Yeah. So when you got selected, did yeah. you have any thought? Because when you look back on yeah. that... They did it yeah. because they were obviously considering you yeah. for the test side, yeah. which was a million to one yeah. in most people's eyes, yeah. to be frank, Payne. Yeah. Did you think, are they picking me here for any other reason or are they just yeah. strengthening the side?
0: No, I had a feeling. Right. I, I didn't. I wasn't sure. It was one of those moments when you just have a couple of conversations with, with selectors or with Greg or someone else from Cricket Australia who I was – when I was on my way to Adelaide, where I was like – Am I just thinking the wrong thing here, or am I being? Look, is this a bit of an audition? Did you discuss it with anyone? No, I just because I, I didn't want it to be just another. Because I probably would have changed. Yeah. So <laughs> I just sort of told myself, seriously, no, they're not. Why would they do that? And then I just yeah, when I just sort of got into the groove, keeping in that in the game against England, I thought, oh, is this is going alright. And then I scored a couple of fifties, um, and then I was. I was going to Townsville for the second game and my flight was changed and I was sent to Melbourne to play in the Shield game as a batter because Wade is keeping because Wade is keeping Um, so again I just thought that there was a bit of strange stuff like that happening I thought well why wouldn't I just stay and play in Townsville Mm -hmm. and keep if they were looking at me they'd want me to wicket keep wouldn't they uh, but I think they just wanted me to, to see me potentially in a shield game against a, a shield attack, even though I was playing against England in Adelaide. It was against their full strength. Yeah, so I got um, a couple of 50s, I think, in the CA11 game, and they had Anderson, Wokes, they had their full side out, broad. Um, and then I went to Melbourne and got 70-odd not out in the shield game, and I played as a batter and batted at four.
1: And you and Wade, did you just continue on as mates? Like you're, yeah. you're fighting for the same position. Yeah, well, Boy. we didn't know. thought it was him or Neville. Yeah, well, we stage.
0: didn't know. We didn't know. No one knew. Um, it was only on day four of that Shield game where I started to get an inkling. Um, the Shield game finished. It, most of the last day was rained out. So, um, And a guy came over from one of the news things, one of the media, and said, oh, can we speak to Pony? I was like, oh, i got 70 not out in a drawn game. (laughs) It's not that big a deal, but anyway. (laughs) And he's like, oh, you know, you must be excited with the rumours that are going around Australia at the moment. And I I had no idea because we're playing a shoe game. We don't have our phones. (laughs) Griff's always phones off or hand your phones in. So I hadn't seen stuff on Twitter or whatever. So I had had no idea. Um, So that's when I started to think, it's a bit weird. So I sort of went to talk to Bales, sat in the corner and just said, this bloke's just to ask me if I'm in the first test team. He reckons it's a blah, blah, blah. And Bales made a few phone calls and see what he could find out. And he was like, I'm not sure. And then I won't forget, <laughs> I won't forget we crammed onto the, onto the van uh, to drive back to the hotel after about seven or eight o'clock at night. And I was sitting next to Bales and he got his phone out. And just wrote I didn't send it to me, He just got his phone up And wrote You are in And I was like, like He said yeah But he would had it confirmed From someone Sources Sort of very reliable sources George wasn't going to go out In a wing and, <laughs> At 50% So I don't know Who his source was But I, th- I think it was actually Someone from the media anyway um, But yeah So then I was like oh, This is weird So I just went back And sat in my room For a little bit the boys were going For a beer Um, I had a shower and thought it's got to about nine o'clock and then my phone rang and it was Cracker what does he say Uh, he said yeah there's Cracker here Um, probably going to be a bit surprised but um, we've picked Mm -hmm. you for the first test in the
1: ashes when you see the phone ring and his name come up does your heart skip because he's not ringing to tell you not. Yeah, well, side. yeah, no, because by
0: this stage I kind of knew I knew because I'd been home, been on Twitter, and it, and it was all – it was everywhere. Um, well, I think they hadn't told the guys that weren't in. Yeah. So that was more important than ringing the people that were. Um, so, yeah, I was like – but I probably still thought subconsciously, no, nah, this is a joke. I'm, not, I'm <laughs> not in. No way. And then when he rang, I was just – yeah, just my heart sort of – I was excited but instant, like – Nerves, as well. I was, um, yeah. And then I thought, geez, how's this going to play out with Wadey? Like, what am I going to do there? Uh, and then he, he actually sent me a text and said, "Are you in?" I should know, so I just rang him and said, "Yeah, I am. I'm not sure what's happened or what you've been told, and blah blah." And, he, and the same, he's like, "Oh, well, it's not, it's not our fault. It's not your fault, sort of thing." So we went and had a beer, and um, yeah, it's, it was all fine. It was, it was interesting, don't get me wrong, and I'm sure he was bitterly disappointed. And But again, like he said, and like I said, I have absolutely no control mm. over getting picked in the Australian cricket team. So, um, yeah, it was what it was and we just got on with it.
1: And it's not just the Australian cricket team. It's an Ashes. Yeah. It's a home Ashes. Yeah. It doesn't get any bigger.
0: Yeah, it was... I was. I was so pumped, but I was so nervous at the same time because I knew... Um, the way or the change in mentality to pick me as purely the best wicketkeeper was going to bring scrutiny from people who didn't well I won't say don't like me because they don't know me but people who wonder why
1: and it came from everywhere and did yeah Mate, it came from everywhere yeah, so you're, you're a bloke that says you're a cricket nuffy yeah do you read do you take it in yeah absolutely I did yeah So how do you deal with that Like uh, You talked about um, social media That's a whole other story Yeah the traditional Pain yeah, Should no, not be playing for Australia Twitter
0: stuff Doesn't bother me at all Because they don't
1: What about respected Ex-players Journalists Yeah Pain shouldn't be in this team Yeah And how do you not well, Let again, that seep into your mind Yeah well
0: I, I actually didn't And I think it, sh- it Was probably a sign That I was matured and emotionally ready to play test cricket whereas the first time I was highly skilled yep. but probably not mentally and emotionally ready to play test cricket so I ha- I handled it didn't actually faze me that much the instant shock I was shocked so I could understand other people being shocked but when I sat down and think about it I don't get it now because once the reason was given that we are picking the best wicketkeeper I always believed in my mind that I was the best wicketkeeper in Australia even when I wasn't playing I wasn't scoring any runs that that was irrelevant pure Mm wicketkeeping I was the best that's what I always felt and I know a lot of people did it's just that you couldn't pick him because he's not scoring any runs Um, so for me when people kept going on about it after Cracker had said we're picking the best wicketkeeper," it's like saying well geez Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark are fantastic they're the best bowlers in Australia but we're going to pick I don't know Sam Rainbird from Tasmania, because he's just scored three fifties. Mm. I get you. Like that—that that was what they said. We're going with the best wicketkeeper, and um, yeah, I was comfortable with that. But I knew that the guys that didn't like that were going to look for any mistake that I made and just jump on me. Um, but yeah, it didn't—it didn't bother me. I actually enjoyed it. I like—I hadn't had that real fire in my belly for a while, and. N- Ideally you wouldn't want to go in playing for Australia with that But for me I think it helped I I love proving people wrong And I love having that um, Something else to motivate me I know you shouldn't always need that But at times I think you do And so yeah I wanted to do well Because I was playing for Australia But there were some people that pissed me off Mm. And said some stuff that I didn't agree with And, And in a controlled and calm way I used that to motivate me every day and I still am.
1: Last week on the Howie Games, we featured the elusive retired Hawks superstar Cyril Rioli. Hard to catch on the footy field and thankfully hard to catch in the place he calls home. We'd, we heard a noise and we looked back and the croc... Like, we seen the croc... Like, we, were dra- like we had the, the cup metres on the thing, dragging the goose uh, uh, tied up around the heads and we'd, we'd heard a noise there. And then the croc... We sort of both turned around at the same time and you could, it was... I don't know. I don't know how big it was, but it was. It would have been over sort of three and a half or three, maybe. It's probably three. Right. And yeah, we he, he was crock, crock, croc, and we just. I think we were. I don't know. Might have been about ten few like, ten meters away from
0: from the other side of the of the swamp, and we were we were walking on water. That's all you could
1: say. <laughs> That's Cyril Rioli last week on the Howie Games. In previous series, we have mentioned private Howie Games podcasts. If you have loved ones, friends, someone that has inspired you or someone close to you whose story you want to be recorded for posterity, please send us an email at Games at hotmail.com. That's Howie, H-O-W-I-E, Games at hotmail.com. We'll try and organise for me to sit down and have a chat just like a normal episode. It's not for broadcast but for a family memory. Back to Painey mate it's the ultimate story of if you'd gone out and play one test and that was it again yeah i don't know how you'd view it but from the outside looking in it's the ultimate story of not giving yeah. up just sticking it out yeah yeah and at
0: the same time like i said i was driven and motivated to prove people wrong and personally i wanted to do well for myself because i wanted to play for australia but at the age I was at, I knew it might be one or two tests. And and strangely enough, I was okay with that as well. So, again, I think it just allowed me to relax into it a lot quicker, even though this time the, there was so much more pressure on, one, because it was the Ashes, yeah. two, because of um, what was going on with the selection and around the selection just had so much, so much, so many people talking about it, which was great for cricket and great for the Ashes. And, and looking back, it made it even more enjoyable when I, when we won it.
1: Shot. Oh, Shot. Wow. Tim Payne standing tall and just depositing that back with a point for a boundary. Payne to Curran. That's a lovely flowing drive through the covers from Tim Payne. Covers yeah. to Bears. Oh, Horrible. Go. Tim Payne's underneath it. Takes yeah. the cut. mate you looked it's funny you say that it sort of took the pressure off because you, you knew at that stage of your career but yeah. like when you walked out to bat for a bloke that hadn't made many runs yeah. for quite a period of time you just looked right from the start yeah. like you were just out there having a hit in the backyard yeah. I don't know what you were like inside yeah. but I was calling those Test matches yeah. on Triple M and it was like from the first ball you just yeah. looked really comfortable
0: yeah I was and again, strangely so, and, and I can remember all that. I can remember sitting there before I bat. I can remember walking out to bat. I can remember marking centre. I remember talking to Smithy before I faced my first ball. So it was a completely different feel to the first time I did it. And I think one, because I wasn't expecting it. And two, because I just had, I've got other stuff in my life and I'd, I'd kind of moved on. So it's everything's a bonus from now on in. <laughs> and it's the same now I'm the captain. I'm I'm not going to do anything different or expect to play for five more years because I'm the captain. It, it's like, and JL says it all the time, but for, and when you're young, it's like when someone says you're going to play every game, like it's your last. When you're 23, 22, you sort of look at them and go, what a goose. <laughs> like I know what you're trying to say and I know what you're trying to get out of me. But I'm 23. You want me to, but, mate, I'm 23 and I'm going to have a good time while I'm doing it and that was my, whereas now it actually could be. So it's not that hard to do. It doesn't mean I'm trying harder and I'm training any harder. I'm actually the opposite. I'm actually enjoying I'm enjoying it more, um, the little things that come with it, and even during the Ashes. I remember in Adelaide when we were about to win the second test and I'd sort of taken a return and thrown it to Smithy and then I was walking back to my spot and looking towards the hill when it was packed and I just I could not believe it. Like I was about to go 2-0 up. I remember thinking that. I'm about to go 2-0 up in an Ashes series.
1: The speed bowling of Stark... Cathedral end. He's gone! Chopped it on! Middle stump ripped out of the ground! Australia take a 2-0 lead! A stranglehold in the Ashes! You
0: know, day-night pink ball met, match at the Adelaide Oval in front of however many people. Like, how ridiculous is this?
1: And three months earlier. Three months earlier, I was about to testimony. take a job. Yeah, for Kookaburra. So what's it like mm-hmm. then winning the Ashes on the back of that? Like, Haney, it's, yeah. it's the most... Before you even get to the captaincy, it's one of the more remarkable yeah. stories in Australian sport from yeah. so far away. Like, yeah. if we were bookies, Tim Payne going to yeah. be playing in a winning Ashes series when he's not playing yeah. for Tasmania. It's, it's a 1,000 to 1, mate. It
0: is, yeah. 10,000 to but 1. But again, maybe it's the, how lucky we are. Because I imagine if I was an AFL footballer, I would have given up. Yep. 100%. But in cricket, you've got three formats. And I, genu- I still... It might have been far-fetched to other people, Including my wife But I genuinely thought I could play 20 and 50 over cricket for Australia Going back two, three years ago Right I absolutely thought I could um, My big bashes were still good um, I was co- really confident in that format of the game And I knew there was a few opp- opportunities coming up in those formats Just through through whispering of, of what was going on in the team Or even just watching um, So that Outside chance Just drove me to keep trying. I could have easily given up Or um, Or not put in like I used to But I for That whole period of time I still did The stuff that I did this morning Like I come in here I go at the back of that That grandstand And I'll spend an hour Sometimes longer By myself With a golf ball Wicket keeping Just throwing the ball Just back ball. and forth Standing up Standing back I put And even then I was thinking Sometimes I'd picture Catching an over off Starkey in my own mind, or sometimes it'd be Hazelwood, or sometimes it'd be Cummins, or it'd be Nathan Lyon, huh. and another day it'd be Xavier Doherty, but I always just kept, kept working away at it. It might have been a bit delusional, but...
1: It's, uh, it's sort of come way, true, yeah. Cummins, fifth ball of the over, bowling the whites. short one, and he's edged it, and that'll do it! So when you're sitting there in the sheds and you've just won the Ashes, yeah. do you have a moment
0: where you're Yeah, I did. I, just, I did. I sat there in the, in the change rooms in Perth kind of by myself. I think everyone kind of did. We had that big celebration and coaches were in there and there was media and then that, they sort of went and were sort of waiting for the families to come in. It was just calm for sort of five minutes and we all had a little earn. And again, I just remember just sitting there looking at it and I had my baggy green in my hand and I just thought this is... Ridiculous. In a in a good way. Not and again, not ridiculous in thought, how the how they picked this bloke. Like I, I still genuinely believed every day that I was the best wicketkeeper keeper in Australia. And it just so happened that I was still going and still training hard when they decided to make the change and think, well, hang on, with our pace attack and our spin bowler, every chance has to be taken. So we need to get the best guys in the in the right positions.
1: So this next chapter of the story um, is well it's the most controversial thing that's probably yeah. ever happened in Australian cricket yeah. we talked about it at the start before I hit record and that if it was me talking to you about this six months ago or if you weren't still the captain we could probably talk about it pretty freely yeah. but I don't really know how we approach what happened in South Africa yeah. um, and I said to you at the start mate, I don't want to ask you about what specifically happened on the ground or what yeah. you didn't know because I think that puts everyone in a difficult position Um. <coughs> So how about you tell me about South Africa, rather than me ask you questions about it, mate?
0: Um, three guys have, have paid a huge price for it, but um, I think it was probably a slow build-up over a long longer period of time, and and Cape Town was probably um, the moment where it, I suppose the, the camel, the straw broke, or whatever you like to say, but um, you know, I think over the years teams have, have done things to the ball pretty consistently. Um, And I think what you saw, again, was just the effect of probably just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it um, until it went too far.
1: Can you tell me about what it was like? Again, let's not talk specifics of the ground, but of it was the biggest sports story in Australia for the year. It was was around the world. What what was it like in the maelstrom of it? Before they said, right, we need you to be a captain, like you get... You get into the change rooms at the end of the day's play and it was yeah. already everywhere. What was it yeah. like, mate?
0: Yeah, well, for us it wasn't. So obviously we'd been out on the field and um, I remember coming off and some of the other guys being involved in the meeting um, with some of the staff or, or whoever was in there. Um, but we were kind of just sitting back in the rooms, most of the, most of the players.
1: With no idea what's occurred?
0: Oh, yeah, we had no idea how big it was. Right. No idea... We just thought, you know, like what's just happened in Sri Lanka, your captain will get a couple of games. Yep. And whoever did it would get a couple of games um, and we'd move on. But I don't think until the next day. So we'd, got, we'd gone home, gone to bed um, and then woken up with, you know, blokes either reading the paper or Twitter from Australia to realise how big this was. Um, again, because I think ball tampering has been in cricket... Since its inception um, Yeah but the The response from back home was um, Yeah I think that was the biggest thing That was Like I, I Personally I was way off What I thought the reaction was going to be I had no idea that was going to happen Or or how big it was going to be So um, That certainly shocked Shocked guys And um, Yeah it made it It made it really difficult Obviously we didn't play very well For the rest of the trip But um, It was in just the most bizarre conditions imaginable to try and play a game of cricket. Um, we did our best, but um, there was just so much going on and and it was such a, hot, a serious level of um, attention that, um, yeah, we didn't handle it very well.
1: So what do you say to your mates? And it's not for... We're not here to judge what happened. Yep. No, obviously, it, it wasn't a good thing. And as you said, those that have being involved to pay a yeah. really, really heavy price. That's for others to debate. But yeah. what happens when you, you know, say goodbye to your, your mates and you've talked about playing with Davey Warner yeah. here or going out with Stevie Smith in your first test match? How do you approach your mates in that situation when the whole world yeah. was aware of what had occurred and yeah, there was horrible. involvement in it? it was horrible. Was it? And, and
0: then for the, for the other guys at the same time to try and prepare for a test that was starting... You know in a couple of days time so it was that fine line of trying to say yeah well, this has happened and we've got to try and support our mates as best we can but at the same time you're, you're about to play in a test match for australia so mm. you've got to be prepared mentally and physically um and again i think we, we did it really poorly like we we tried what and you we thought, thought yeah it was just the most it was just a bizarre set of circumstances and something that you just never expect to be involved in and and when you are, I don't think anyone knew how to handle it or what to say or what not to say. Um, the, there was but like just a bit the,
1: of the shots of you blokes hugging Smithy as he left yeah. the hotel and stuff. Like the, there's images that came out from that that I think will stay with a lot of people for yeah. a long time. Yeah, and that's just us watching.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think Smithy was a, an interesting one as well because at the time he was actually by himself as well. So that I'm not sure. I'd imagine that would be m- even more difficult. Um, as I know, Davy had some of his family around, so it's still a, a horribly difficult time. But um, and, and knowing Smithy as well, he doesn't sleep that well at the best of times, and he's a real thinker. And um, yeah, so I think guys were just concerned for for them, firstly, um, and just make, making sure that they sort of got home and and got mm-hmm. out of there and could have some space away from it.
1: So amidst all this, you're a boat that's back in the test side. and you talked about that you found out you're back in the test side how do you find out that you're going to be the 46th captain of the country
0: um yeah
1: I so firstly
0: going back the morning after um, we were in the change rooms and um, Smithy and Davey both spoke to the group and said that they would be standing down uh, for the rest of the game
1: what was that like?
0: yeah again just bizarre just really weird it's hard to put in put in words. It was some of the guys had already started their warm up and had to come back up, and um, a little bit emotional, no? doubt yeah, very. Both of them were very emotional. A lot of the guys were sort of stunned, um, yeah, and then sort of again, Cracker and sort of said, "Well, um, Payne, you going to take over for the rest of the game," and um, out of the blue, yeah. Well, this had all happened in the morning, and i would have been out the back warming up, so then we all got called back up and. Um, yeah, so he said you'd take over for the rest of the test and um, yeah, I thought that would probably be it and then we'd see what happened And um, but then about I think about a week or so later I, I spoke to James Sutherland and he said that um, we're going to appoint you 46th captain of Australia, test captain so um, yeah, it happened really quickly um, yeah, it's a funny again, funny one to explain, I wouldn't say I was overly proud or um no usual situation yeah it was yeah, it was, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it was. You, you don't want to have anything in those circumstances given to you, especially something like the Australian captaincy, but um, you know, at the same time, I pretty quickly sort of thought, well we've got to we've got to try and deal with it and, and move on as quickly as it, as we can, and um, I think luckily we actually didn't have a lot of cricket coming up, so guys got to actually just go home. Get away from it. Try and deal with it, and then and then come back. Um, how was the South
1: African response in the next test when you went out there? Um, they weren't overly different how they normally are. Pretty tough crowd um, over there.
0: Oh, the crowds were yeah, but but I mean the crowds were abusive the whole series, and um, yeah, not I'm not whinging about it because we know our crowds are exactly the same, but they they were yeah, they were giving it to blokes on the fence and. I'm lucky because I'm a but I don't hear any of it but the boys were coming in saying, Jesus they're relentless out there in the and that was before any of this happened so the last test was um, yeah, they didn't miss us but I think by the end of the test we'd we'd almost turned them and they were actually much much more supportive of us than sort of flat out abuse uh, which was nice but yeah, from a player's point of view they they didn't change at all there Um, yeah, they continued on their merry way with that in the last test as well,
1: so going forward now, um, this will probably come out when you're in Dubai, as yep. you say um, there's been a lot of discussion made about the Australian cricket team and how they're now viewed um, in the public yeah what do you think do you think anything needs to be done differently and yep. how do you want the people out there that are watching and the kids etc yep. to view your Australian cricket team
0: yeah. Um, yeah, there's things we have to do differently, no doubt. And um, I think we're, we're really lucky with um, the new TV deals that have come out. It's actually it's going to happen anyway. So I think we probably lost sight of the fact that um, that we are we're Australia's cricket team. It's not our right to be to be in that team, and um, we've got to try and give as much as of, of ourselves and our team back to to, to the public. So. Um, we're, we're, what we're hoping is that this year you'll see with the, with the new TV rights is a is a more inclusive Australian cricket team. We want to bring our ta- to our fans into the change rooms. We want them to get to know players more because you know this this has happened and it wasn't ideal, but we've got a lot of good people um, and and the, even the guys that are, aren't playing at the moment are, are good people, good team men, and, and good Australians. So um, we want the public to see that we've probably been a little bit closed off um, and probably thought we were. Um, a little bit more important than what we are so at um, the end of the day we, we want to and, and jail is, is certainly someone we're on the same wavelength, we want to be a cricket team that, that all Australians can be really proud of and um, you know we can have all the rules and, and regulations under the sun but um, at the end of the day if, with our actions or with our training on the field or off the field if you can be doing something and, and ask yourself that question, would I be making Australia proud right now? Um, you know, on or off the field, we'll be we'll be going in the right direction. So um, that's the plan. We just we just need to um, all get on board that. But we want to give kids of Australia heroes that they can they can grow up and want to be like, and um, and that's sort of what we're pushing towards.
1: I think it's a spot on point when you say that you guys, whether the, the team, I shouldn't say you guys, the team in general, thought yeah. they were more important than they are. Yeah, maybe the team didn't understand how important they are yeah because you guys are
0: so important yeah well that, that's the other thing so the flip side of that is I think
1: like you're so important
0: we realise but again it's not it's not us it's the Australian cricket team that's right it's Australia's cricket team and what we know is that Australians love their cricket team and their cricket team means so much to them that doesn't make us any more entitled we're, we're just in the team we're mm-hmm. the lucky ones to be in the team it's not our team it's their team um, and I think we, we need to remember that and we need to realize that a bit more and um, and we need to as I said give back a bit more to, to the public um, make our, our team or their team more accessible and yeah and, and be a team that they can be really proud of
1: let's talk about this you know, the access um, which I'm really looking forward to yeah um, from my position yeah, I can't I'll wait, wait. Um, talk about turning the stump mics up a yeah. bit painting. Yeah. Now I get the stump mic a bit myself in the Big Bash game and uh, when we're down here at Bunston hurricanes, be fair to say we hear you a fair bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I
0: would say I'd imagine none of it's that bad. It's not. No, exactly. So but
1: I would love people to hear it. Yeah. What yeah. Because sometimes what we hear doesn't actually get out to the yeah. world. No, it's not. Yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to yeah. frame it that way. It's when I hear you on the stump mic and it's a domestic T20 game of cricket, I think, geez, does every other bloke out there on the ground want to win as much as the bloke who yeah. I can hear through the stump cam, yeah. which is typically you? Yeah. It's a, it's I th- a th- the funny thing is. Environment.
0: I-, I agree. I have no problem with the stump mics being turned up. It's just that occasionally you're going to hear the odd swear word. And if we're okay with that, and, and most of the time it's not directed at anyone it's a fast bowler bowling a bad ball Mm. or it's a fielder dropping a catch or it's a batsman playing a bad shot it's not abusing each other and I know how it looks sometimes on telly is that it comes across that way but for someone like you who has heard Mm. what's said um, most of the time it's just a bit of banter and a bit of rubbish and, and trying to distract them. Occasionally, yeah, it gets quite heated, but even then, sort of some of the stuff in the ashes of people saying, oh, this, it, it was, the sledging is so bad, it's this, it's that. Those people had no idea what was being said. They're going off body language or, or what they're seeing two guys look at each other. There was that classic one with Smithy and, and Anderson in Adelaide. Mm. Like, yeah, were they swapping phone numbers and catching up for a beer after the day? No, but it, it wasn't abusive it was two men having a chat trying to get inside each other's heads and that's what happened so um yeah i'm all for the stunt. mic's been turned up because i think they'll see that and think well it's not as bad as it's always been beat up to be it's it, it's it's different from abuse it's banter
1: what type of captain do you want to be when we look back after yeah. 10 tests 20 tests another yeah. 50 tests and they say tim Payne was um
0: respected um i I've been asked a few times about what legacy I want to leave and all that sort of stuff, and again, the, I, I, I've never thought about stuff like that, so it doesn't doesn't bother me, it doesn't concern me. I just want to be um, a leader that's respected by my players and and the staff around our team, um, and I know I'll have to. You know, I don't I'm not demanding that they respect me. I want them to to respect me through choice and and through watching me and through being around me, and. Um, from the public, the same. I, I want to be captain of a team that that all Australians can be proud of. And I think if if the Australian public are proud of the Australian cricket team, then I've done my job, and and Justin's done his job. And um, whether we win or lose, um, in a way, is irrelevant. we well, obviously we want to win every game of cricket mm. that we play, in and and don't ever mistake us for saying it's it's irrelevant. But in the big picture, we've got some other things that. We need to address um, But they'll certainly be made a hell of a lot easier By winning And, and I'm, as you know, extremely competitive Justin Langer's extremely competitive and, and all the guys that are playing in that Australian test team Are, are ultra competitive We want to be the best in the world um, But we realise we'll probably just have to tweak Some fine things about the way we go about it So,
1: And how are you going to deal with, it, mate you, you know, You've captained Australia Outside of Australia yep. And over there in England It's nice down here in Tassie, but come halfway through the Indian Series when something comes up, you'll be the bloke on the news every night. Yeah. Can you prepare for that?
0: Uh, Well, I don't think you have
1: to. Right. I
0: just think, as I said to you right at the start, I think if you be yourself, you don't have to act or pretend or Mm, or do anything. I just have to – I'll get asked questions. I'll answer them as as Tim Payne, not as – tim payne trying to be the australian cricket captain i just find and i think that's where people go wrong from what i've seen is it can be tough to keep up and act or pretend you're someone you're not um for me it's about being myself and um as i said to you that, that people have seen things in me that that they see leadership qualities and there's things that are important to me in that sense and um as long as i keep doing them i'll be fine
1: We still get time to come back down here and pull on the purple for the Canes? Absolutely. I I might get more time, depending on what happens with with the white ball cricket. So, um, yeah. How good is it, the big bash? Oh, it's the greatest. is Is it amazed... Like, it's amazing me what yeah. what it has become. Like, yeah. You know, when the boss first told me we'd got it, and I sort of said, oh, I reckon if three hundred, four hundred thousand 400,000 people watch it a night, the yeah. semester will be winning. And he said, oh, the sales department's looking at 600. And I was like, jeez, I might have overcooked that a bit. Yeah. And then the first night... 1.1 1. 1, 1. Yeah. 1.2 and ever since then it's just been a and consistent too. Oh, just been a phenomenon, yeah. And you can't turn it off because no. the night you turn it off is the night Tim Payne hits a six off the yeah. last ball to win it.
0: Yeah, and it happens so often too, yeah. doesn't it? It's just been it's incredible the coverage, the the standard of play, um, even the new style of commentary. Like everything just worked, didn't and the at the same time, the players. yeah. Players' access was great. Um, crowds everywhere you go. People just and, and passionate crowds too, not just your normal sort of cricket crowds who turn up and and love watching cricket. It's a new wave, it's the new it's a bit more football type crowd. The atmosphere's um to be honest, when it first started, it was it was un cricket like. Mm. It was different to what, what you're used to at a cricket match. So um, yeah, I think it's been awesome. It's it's dragging new people in the gates, it's having new people watch it on T V and and the game's getting bigger and bigger. We'll finish this
1: question. Well, this little chat, Payne, you've been very, very good with your time. Um, I tell you what, as Australian captain, you can't be this generous to everyone. You're know, <laughs> time yourself. yourself. Uh, you now get the question, you had the penguin earlier on, you now get my eight-year-old who was asking this just as we were coming down from Mount Wellington. As a proud Tasmanian, I think you'll appreciate this one.
0: <laughs> Hi, Payne, Pickle here. We love visiting Tasmania and our grandparents. One of our favourite things to do is go fishing on Grandpa's boat.
1: Once mummy caught a big squid and she totally freaked out. (laughs) We also love going climbing up Mount Wellington. What's your favourite thing to do in Tasmania? Because people painting that haven't been here, and we're not sponsored by Tourism Tasmania by any stretch, but it is one of the greatest spots on the planet down here. Yeah, it is.
0: There is actually so many things to do. Mm. It'd be, i tell you what I really enjoy doing at the moment for mm-hmm. me, and this probably just the stage of my life, but mm-hmm. um, we've been spending a lot of time down the East Coast. Right. Me and my, f- my family, or well, my daughter and wife, we're yep. about to have a little boy in, in a couple of weeks' time. Congratulations, <laughs> mate. Thank you. So, yeah, we've, we've just bought a block of land down at Spring Beach on the East Coast. Right. Uh, so we've been going, spending a lot of time down there.
1: Are you going to build uh, what all the Tasmanians call on the mainland? Is called a holiday house, but here yeah, is called a shack. It's
0: a shack. You're going to build a Absolutely, shack? Absolutely, I'm building a shack. <laughs> My wife had a meeting this morning. I think with the, about uh, the shack. Yeah. So well, I have to go home and just make sure that the, the, the budgetary <laughs> constraints are being met. All play now. another fifty test <laughs> painting. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, I won't tell her that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the east coast of Tasmania is as good a place you can go in the world to be honest um other thing in the middle of summer well actually if you are ever coming to tasmania you have to come to the taste of tasmania yes it's just hobart at its finest for those seven or eight days all around salamanca the weather's unbelievable it's not too hot it's sort of sits around 25 to 30 Howie, you don't sweat it's not cold all the food, sea, food any seafood, any Tasmanian local produce you Beer. can get your hands on is in the one venue, the, yachts the one are coming time. Senator to Hobart's finishing. A lot of people who from Tasmania have have moved away are back for that sort of Christmas holiday period. So the place is is buzzing. So I know the Hurricanes boys love. Getting down around the taste of Tasmania, but that's probably actually my favourite thing to do. That's a good is to spend one. Spend a few days down at the taste.
1: As we finish, mate, I mentioned to you at the start, lots of kids, families listen to this when they're on the way to training, whatever sport they're into. Yeah. Um, yours is a story of perseverance. Yep. I guess in many ways, what do you think if there's a young kid sitting here now and saying, "Tim, I want to do this when I grow up in sport." Yeah. What would you say to him?
0: Um. Well, I think for me, the the easiest thing the the Reason I've been able to keep going and be so driven is because I, I just absolutely love it and I have a real passion for it. So I think for any child, no matter if it's sport or, or whatever they want to do after school, I think if you, you've got to pick something that you're extremely passionate about and I think if you do that, then when you do have the occasional hard day, you can get through it pretty easily. But I can, I can honestly say because of the passion and the love that I have for my job, I don't, I don't have too many hard days anymore. Um, I go up and I go to work every day doing what I want to do. And I know that I'm, I'm very lucky, but I honestly believe if you're passionate enough about it, you'll, you'll find a way. So um, that would be my takeaway from, from, I suppose, my life. I could have given up a few times. I probably wouldn't have if I wasn't as passionate about um, about cricket and, and what I do every day. So
1: I love the fact that you said you'll be yourself as the Australian captain, which will work mm. out wonderfully well for you, mate. Good luck in Dubai. The upcoming summer, the birth of your second child. (laughs) Um, Great to have a chat with you, mate. I really appreciate it. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers, 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 mate. mate. Thanks so much to Tim Payne for sharing his amazing story of perseverance and positivity. Everyone at the Howie Games, not that there's many of us, everyone wishes Tim and the Aussie squad best of luck this summer. For those inquiring as to whether MJ secured a chat as directed with big wave guru Laird Hamilton whilst he was working in Hawaii, let's just say... How shall we say it? Let's just say... He didn't. But we love him anyway. Until next Thursday with Ben Simmons, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try